And uh, so you'll have to bear with us. But uh, the main text today is Romans 12, and then in 2 Corinthians chapter 3. So you can stick your thumb uh, in both of those. So Romans 12, give you a minute. And 2 Corinthians chapter 3. Romans 12, verse 3, the Apostle Paul, writing to the church in Rome, says, For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. All right? Romans 12, keep your thumb there. Now flip over to 2 Corinthians chapter 3. And this really is the main text today. It's found in 2 Corinthians chapter 3. You're almost there. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, starting in verse 18. It's right at the end. It says, And we all who with unveiled faces contemplate or reflect the Lord's glory are being transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory which comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. That word contemplate can be transliterated reflect. So once again, and we all who with unveiled faces contemplate or reflect the Lord's glory are being transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory which comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. Let's pray today that God's word would speak to our hearts. Father God, I thank you this morning uh, that your word is alive. Lord, your word is powerful. And God, your word can change and alter our lives if we read it, Lord, if we apply it, and if we obey it. And so God, today I pray that your word would penetrate our hearts today. You'd help us all, Lord, to just be changed more into your likeness, even this morning. And I thank you for this on this cold day. But Lord, we love you anyways. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, Amen. Amen. Well, as I had briefly mentioned, it's been a very fun Christmas season for the O'Coin family. Uh, we were pleasantly surprised on Christmas Eve night. Now, many of you may have been here Christmas Eve service. Uh, who was here Christmas Eve? Yeah, many of you were here. And uh, before I say anything else, I just want to give a shout out to our Christmas Eve uh, music team that was here. You know, they put in I think seven, eight hours worth of rehearsal for that Christmas Eve service. And uh, we had a lot of fun uh, singing Christmas carols and worshiping God on Christmas Eve. I'm so thankful for those who give of their time and efforts and commitment to our church. Does anyone say amen to that? Yeah. Absolutely. We had a wonderful time Christmas Eve. But uh, you know what? It was funny because leading up to Christmas Eve, my wife, who normally talks to her parents every day on the phone, usually every day, uh, they live in Newfoundland, many of you know that, so they're, you know, a long ways away. And um, for about two days, she hadn't been able to get a hold of her parents. And so that's a little disconcerting, you know, like, oh, is everything okay? But we had this feeling like, you know what? They're, gonna, they're on their way up. We had this, this feeling that they were going to come on up here and surprise us and not tell us that they were coming for the holidays. And we couldn't get, and we, you know, you heard about these ice storms in Toronto. So we're like, you know, I bet you they were, to, they were coming up and they got stuck in Toronto somewhere with these ice storms. And Christmas Eve night, guess what? They showed up and uh, they showed up at about 11, 11.30 at night. They pulled into our house and so we kind of had a feeling it was going to happen. But it was a surprise nonetheless. And you know what? They were surprised as well. Some people from their church, some friends of theirs said, you know what? You need to go up and be with your family. Here's a million air miles. Go and fly and be with your, I don't know how many air miles it takes to fly. You know, here's all the air miles. And, and so, you know what, someone blessed them, and we're so thankful. You know what? God is good. 
God is good. We got to spend Christmas uh, with our family, and uh, it's been a lot of fun. Of course, having two toddlers at home uh, makes Christmas a lot of fun. Anyone know that to be true? It's really true. And uh, seeing them laugh and play together, seeing them fight, we're working on that one. <laughs> You know, seeing how they're interacting with one another and, and Christmas time with their grandparents. It's been a lot of fun, and uh, it certainly brings back a lot of memories for me. And it's actually caused me to reflect a little bit back on my childhood uh, as well, of, of all of the, the, the fun times that I had during Christmas. And in fact, if you're taking notes this morning, if you're a note taker and you need a title for this message, you can entitle this message simply Reflections. Okay? Reflections. Now, my oldest child, Jaden, many of you know him as well, and uh, he, uh, he got his first real set of Legos this Christmas. All right? Not, not the, the big, bulky baby kind, right? but those little tiny ones that when you step on them, you rather you had kidney stones than that, those type of Legos. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, those kind, right. Th- those are the ones he got. And, uh, and so we've had a lot of fun playing Lego together, and uh, there's not much you can build out of these Legos other than houses and airplanes and stuff like that, but we had a lot of fun, and uh, it sure brings back a lot of good childhood memories. And I don't know if you were like me or not, but when I was a child, I, uh, I had a lot of hobbies. And it seemed to be, you know, it, it would change from one year to the next, right? You know, one year I was into this, and, uh, and then the next year I was into that. You know, one year I'd be really into Lego, and everything I would, you know, what do you want for your birthday? Lego. What do you want for Christmas? Lego. And everything that I was saving my money for more Lego. And, and everything I thought about was Lego and getting a new set of this and building that. And that year, that was my hobby. That was my focus, you know. The next year, it would be dinosaurs or something, right? And uh, I, I would get books about dinosaurs and read about them and get little dinosaur toys and watch dinosaur cartoons. And, you know, and, and that whole year, that was what I was into, Right? The next year, uh, it would be maybe hockey cards. You know, the whole year, everything I wanted and saved my money for was buying hockey cards. What do you want for Christmas? Hockey cards. You know, and, and, and that was my hobby for that year. Does anybody was like that when you were growing up? Like every year there was a phase, there was a different hobby. You know, is that kind of anybody else like me or am I the only person? I am the only person on the planet. All right. My wife actually makes fun of me because some of that actually seeped over into my adulthood a little bit. She calls it the whim of the week, you know. <laughs> I could be into this. this could be, I, I've gotten a little better now over the years. Thank God for that. But anyways, one of my many childhood hobbies that I had for a while was amateur astronomer. Uh, for a while, uh, you know, I was into reading about outer space, you know, and, and I would get books and I'd be learning about the planets and the galaxies, and I, I, I was so interested in this. And I remember as a child going to uh, the planetarium in Toronto and the Royal Ontario Museum where we had these amazing displays of our solar system in the universe. And, and I was just, you know, in awe reading about the vastness and the enormity of the universe in which we live. And I mean, you know, just our solar system alone and then all of the galaxies and stars and and it's quite amazing. And even as a child, I, I remember reading about this and being into it. And uh, I even remember, you know, and, and many of you have done this, the all-too-familiar science project where you build the solar system diorama, right, with those foam balls that you paint, and then you hang them in the box for our solar system. And I even did that as a kid. I remember in, uh, in 1990, I was only nine years old, but NASA launched the Hubble telescope. Maybe some of you remember that. They put this, this telescope into outer space to, uh, I think I have a picture of it. There it is. 
they put this telescope in outer space to, to take, you know, photos and, and pictures of, of, of galaxies and stars. And it's actually been arguably one of the most important uh, pieces of equipment that NASA's used ever since. Uh, not only has this telescope captured photos of, of all sorts of things throughout, you know, our galaxy and, and probably beyond, but it's also collected an enormous amount of data that NASA and scientists have been able to use to learn more about our universe. It's, it's actually quite astounding what they were able to do from this telescope that was launched in 1990. And I remember as a child looking at photos from this telescope for the first time. I, I actually remember this. Like just, wow, this is a real picture of some galaxy. Way, you know, it's just, it was really amazing. It was really amazing. And uh, I was really in awe of of. of some of the things that this telescope was able to do. One of the interesting facts about the Hubble telescope, and, and maybe you know this, I was actually talking to my dad about this here a couple days ago because my dad is into telescopes. He's still into astronomy. He's got a telescope sets, and he, he's, he loves looking at the stars. And One of the interesting things about the Hubble telescope was that a few weeks after it was launched into space, it was discovered that many of the images that were coming back were blurry and distorted. Wow, they just launched this thing into outer space and all of a sudden it's not working right. Houston, we have a problem, right? This is not good. And, uh, and what happened, well, it turned out after a bit of investigation was that there was a problem with the telescope's primary mirror. The main mirror inside the telescope wasn't positioned properly. Ooh, how can that happen? And as a result, it did not reflect the proper image. And it turned out to be a very costly error for NASA. I would like to propose to us today, as we were talking about, and we read the scripture, reflecting the image of Christ, I would like to propose today that in order for us to become more like Christ in our character and conduct, we too need to make sure that we position ourselves properly, that we may reflect the image of Jesus Christ properly. Because if we don't, the image becomes distorted. The image becomes not accurate. And there are certain things that we can do as believers to position ourselves, to set ourselves in the right you know, frame of mind, the right mindset, the right position in our faith and in our walk with God in order to properly reflect who Jesus is. And just as the telescope's mirror wasn't positioned properly, it cost NASA millions upon millions of dollars to fix. In fact, it took NASA three years of planning and a manned space mission to fix this problem. You can imagine how costly that was. It cost NASA dearly, and guess what? If we don't position ourselves properly to reflect who Jesus is, I believe it's going to cost us dearly in the long run as well. And we want to talk about that this morning. And as we take some time this morning to reflect, you know, we're talking about reflections, right? Reflecting the sun, but we also want to reflect back on 2013. And really the question I have for us as we reflect back on this past year is, did we actually reflect the sun properly? It's a good question to ask. As we reflect back on the last year, did we indeed reflect the image of the Son of God? So before we go any further, I guess it's important to note that philosophically and spiritually, reflection is an important thing to do. How many know that it is a good thing to not just, yes, we need to live in the moment, yes, we need to look ahead to the future, but there's oftentimes things about the past that we can learn from. Isn't that true? We need to reflect back. We need to evaluate what's happened. 
We need to look back on this past year or past, you know, maybe the past number of years and say, okay, what really, you know, some of us, we get in that, that, that trap of just, just letting things happen and living day by day and not actually taking time to reflect back. I think it's a good thing to reflect back. And this being the first Sunday of the new year, I think it's important for us to do that here even today. And in retrospect, see all of the, you know, maybe the good stuff that's happened this past year, and maybe the not so good. You know, hey, let me ask the question now. Is there anyone here, you know, you could say right off the top of your head, you you don't even have to think about this, you know right away when I ask this question. Is anyone here want to give a shout out to the fact that God was good to you in 2013? Anybody? Yeah? Okay, let me ask that question again. Does anybody here want to give a shout out to the fact that you experienced God's goodness in 2013? Come on now. Yes, you you believe it, you've experienced it, you say, absolutely, man, that's awesome. Uh, You know, I'm not going to ask for a show of hands, but you know what, there's going to be some other people here today that would say, you know what, in 2013, all I can think about is if I reflect back, is just disappointment and sorrow and hardship and challenge. That's true for some of us, isn't it? Uh, you know, that could be true. Maybe you're here today, if you were to think about it for a moment, uh, maybe there were no high highs or low lows. You know what I mean? It was kind of steady as she goes. You know, not, 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 no major failure, no major, you know, disappointment or challenge, but maybe there wasn't any huge blessing or thing to be excited about, you know. Uh, but once again, I ask everybody the same question, no matter if we've experienced a, a, a God's grace and goodness and, and, or challenge and disappointment. The question that we need to ask ourselves today is in 2013, did we become more like Jesus? Did we reflect the image of his son in 2013? Because we read in 2 Corinthians that we are to become more like him with ever-increasing glory, right? More and more like him all the time. We read Romans 12, verse 3. I want to read it again. Here, we'll put it up on the... There it is. Once again, the Apostle Paul writing says, For by grace given to me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. This is a reflection verse, right? Think upon yourself with sober judgment. Paul, in this passage, he's writing to the church in Rome... And as you study the book of Romans, you find out that there's a group of Gentiles and there's a group of Jewish believers within the church. And one of the issues in the church was that, you know, some of them were thinking that they were better than the others. And commentators, uh, Boa and Crudenire, weigh in on this text, and, and I don't have it on the screen, but they're saying perhaps the Jews regarded themselves as special because of their heritage. Perhaps the Gentiles regarded themselves as preferred because of Israel's status of being hardened by God. But Paul reiterates to them a renewed mind sees everything through mercy-colored glasses. Living sacrifices have no status. You know, we often don't judge ourselves accurately. Isn't that true? I mean, we are easily blinded by our own failures or easily blinded when we look upon ourselves. And, and, and sometimes, for most of us, and it really is the human condition, really, that we think of ourselves more highly than we should. How's it going, Derek? Oh, everything's great. You know, everything's okay. Oh, yeah, no problem. Oh, man, yeah, I'm doing good. Yeah, no issues, and re- you know what I mean? And we think everything is always good, no problem, no issue. Um, that's the case for a lot of us sometimes. But then there are others who don't think 
too highly of themselves, but they have the opposite problem. You ever meet someone like this? That they think less of themselves than what they should. That's true too for people, you know? They just beat themselves up. They're hard on themselves, you know? Oh man, you know, I'm... I'm, you know, I'm just a worm. I'm not worth anything. You know what I mean? And, 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 and they just put themselves down. And, and every time they make a little mistake, they beat themselves up. And, and they find it hard to forgive themselves. You know, and when God is right there ready to forgive and, and pour out his grace and pour out his mercy. You know what? If, you, if you're like that today, if you are hard on yourself, if you put yourself down, you need to know that Jesus died for you. You're important. He died for you. And no matter what you're going through, Jesus has enough grace to get you from where you are to where you need to go. So don't put yourself down. Keep trusting in Christ. But the point is, is that we need to judge ourselves, what does Romans say? Soberly, which means accurately. And how many know that in order to measure something accurately, you must have a standard measurement, right? Is it True. Matthew, he's, he's going to be going down to, uh, to take uh, some carpentry courses here soon. If you don't already know this by now, you know, in carpentry, you better measure accurately, right? You better have that standard of measurement known, figured out. If you put something off by just a centimeter, you're in trouble, right? And that's just the way it goes. And it's the same thing as reflect upon ourselves and we judge ourselves soberly or accurately. We need to know what the, measure of, the, the standard of measurement is. In Romans 12, 3, it says that we are to reflect in accordance to the faith that God has distributed to us. Now, some people interpret this verse meaning to say that, you know what, that God has put different measures of faith within each one of us. So, you know, we just need to do the best that we can by the faith that's within each one of us as individuals to make sure that we're doing okay. But you see the problem of that, right? This is not an individualistic thing. Uh, you know, th- what that does is that it lets some people off the hook, so to speak, and his or her conduct because of their lack of faith. Well, so-and-so, you know what? Oh, they, they don't have as much faith as, as, as others of us, so, so, you know, they're okay. The, the, their standard of measurement is different. No, 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 that's not the case. The reality is, you know, we read it again, we are to reflect in the accordance to the faith God has distributed to each of us. God has distributed the same faith to each of us, friends. The faith of the gospel, right? The person of Jesus Christ. He's given to each one of us the same standard. And uh, Romans commentator, he's written all kinds of books on the book of Romans. Okay, Douglas Moo, he says that the Christian faith is the standard of measurement. A standard that is the same for all believers. Paul is asking us to look carefully to the gospel faith and its requirements as we assess ourselves. Okay, so this is not just your faith and my faith. You have a different faith level than my faith level. And there is some truth to that as well. That, that you know what, that yes, you may, you know, some of us trust God a little more than others, and our faith levels need to, uh, they're not all the same. But in this context, you know what? We have all been given the same gospel faith, and that is what we are to judge ourselves by. That is our standard as we assess ourselves. And so when we reflect upon this past year, you know, once again, I ask the question did we reflect the image of Christ? You know, it's not about making ourselves look good. Oh, yes, oh, man, I gave, you know, in the offering plate this year, and I did this good deed, and I did that good deed, and I was kind to that person. And, you know, it's not about trying to make ourselves look good, because if we actually look at the gospel faith, right? Hey, look at Galatians chapter 5, the fruit of the Spirit. I don't know about you, but I was not perfect in all of those areas. <laughs> Someone's nodding their head. Yes, that's true. <laughs> all the rest of you have been perfect. In the- no. <laughs> you know what I mean, though? right 
when I look at the account of the Bible and how it says for us to live, I quickly realize that I'm not perfect. I have not arrived yet. I have not got it all figured out. I have not grown to the extent, you know what, and we never will until we reach heaven, until we're with Jesus face to face. That's the truth today. But the reality is, is that we're supposed to be transformed more and more into his likeness with ever-increasing glory as the months and the years go on. That's, that's who we're called to be today. In fact, one translation says that we are to be transformed into his likeness from one degree of glory to the next. I like that way of saying that. One degree of glory to the next. We get closer to God in one area. We get more like him in our character and conduct in one area. And then we move on to another area. And by the grace of God, we're going to improve in this area. And we're going to get more like him in this area. And once we get that a little bit more figured out and more, you know, like Christ in that area, God's going to lead us to another area. You know what? He's not finished with us yet. Not finished with me yet. We're growing more into his likeness. So how do we know, if we're looking back at this past year, how do we know? if we've moved from one degree of glory to the next? I'm glad you asked that question. How do we know if we've grown in our walk with God? How, do we, how can we really evaluate ourselves? Well, I mentioned just a second ago, one of the ways is, is looking at the fruit of the Spirit found in Galatians chapter 5. We read that the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Right? Now, we can actually make a, a biblical and theological argument, and I believe this is true, that the fruit of the Spirit is essentially the character of Christ. This is the character of who God is. Because when we have the fruit of the Spirit, that means we are walking in the Spirit, and the Spirit is putting within us His character. So the character of Jesus Christ is the fruit of the Spirit. Therefore, we can deduce that if we are being indeed being transformed into His image with ever-increasing glory, then we need to be growing in the areas of the fruit of the Spirit. That's one way to know it. Have we been reflecting the person of Christ this past year? You know, has my joy levels increased? The fruit of the Spirit is, you know, one of them is joy. Has my joy levels increased? Now, I'm not talking about just, you know, being happy, slappy, you know, oh, I got what I wanted for Christmas, so I'm joyful, right? No, I'm talking about the joy of the Lord, right? I'm talking about finding joy and contentment in God. Has my joy levels increased? You know, the Bible tells us that he's given us everything that we need for life and godliness. The fact is, if God does not give me a single thing ever again, he's already given me enough to be joyful. Because of his son, because of who he is, because of what he's done, he's already blessed me immensely. I can have joy today from who God is and what he's done in my life. Amen? That's the truth. You know what? It's a good measure for us. Has my joy levels increased? Another fruit of the Spirit, kindness. Has my kindness improved this year? Ooh. Am I, you know, patience. Am I more patient with others? Well, that's a hard one, isn't it? That's one that I struggle with sometimes, to be honest with you. Patience. The Lord gave me two toddlers. I'm exercising patience every day. <laughs> Faithfulness. Am I more faithful to what God has called me to? Great question. Or are you stepping back and being less faithful to what God has asked and called you to do? Great question. Are we becoming more like Christ? Faithfulness. Self-control. Am I exhibiting more self-control in my life? 
Am I more gentle with how I deal with other people? Am I showing more love towards others? These are fruit of the Spirit. You see what I'm getting at here, right? It's the character of Christ. And I mean, when we look at this list, and, 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 you know, and I can look at it, and I can say, you know what? Yep, there's a couple areas I think that I've grown a little bit in. And uh, by the grace of God, uh, I've done a little better in this. I've been transformed more into the likeness of, of Christ's character and these fruits of these spirits this year. There's a few of them I can say, by the grace of God, yes, I have done a little better with them. But then I can look at a few others and think, you know what? I, I don't know if I have. Being honest here, right? But what's the point? We are all supposed to be transformed one degree of glory to the next. So I'm not going to beat myself up if I didn't get all these perfect, but guess what? There's a few there. I think I did improve, you know, honestly, soberly, looking back, yeah, I think I improved a little. Thank you, God, by your grace and your help of your spirit, I was able to do that. And this year, I'll hopefully, by the grace of God, will improve a little more. Amen? And that's what God wants us to do as we become more like him, one degree of glory to the next. Now, how many know that improving in these areas don't just happen on their own? <laughs> it doesn't just happen, right? You don't just wake up one day and all of a sudden you're completely patient with everybody. You don't go from impatient to patient for no reason, right? You don't go from, uh, you know, zero self-control in whatever area you want to think about, to all of a sudden perfect self-control without doing anything. That's just that's not reality. That doesn't happen. So becoming more like Christ doesn't just happen. Reflecting His image in an ever-increasing glory doesn't just happen. And I already mentioned earlier in the, in the introduction to this message how the Hubble telescope, the mirror wasn't positioned properly and therefore did not reflect the image properly. And I want to propose to us today that there are five positions that we need to adopt in order to properly reflect the image of the sun. Five things that we need. Now there's more likely as well. But I want to talk about five basic things today. And this is really a basic message. But you know what? I want to start off 2014 you know, on the right foot. I want us to start off with the proper foundation. And it's about and all the things that we do this year as a church. And all the things that I do this year as a pastor. And all the things that I endeavor to do this year just as a, as a husband and a father. You know what? The main goal is becoming more like Christ. Becoming more of the person that God has designed me and called me to be. And that's the same for you. That's the same for our church and everything that we do. And so, you know, today it's a simple message. But there's five positions that we need to adopt in order to reflect the image of the Son of God. The first one is simply, hello, I shut that off. <laughs> Oh, we're backtracking. There we go. The first one is the position of community. Now, this is just a nice way of saying you need to be in church. You want to reflect the image of God's Son, you need to be in the house, okay? You need to be here often. You need to be here regularly. You need to be here weekly. You need to be here as often as you possibly can. Now, that's not because if more people come to church, the pastors get a bigger salary. No, that's not the case, okay? It's not like I got something to gain by you being here. But the truth of the matter is that Jesus designed the church for us, for our spiritual growth. He is the one who said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And he, he's called us to come together as believers for our 
sakes. You know, so that we can be built up, that we can be edified in God's house, that we can be encouraged, that we can be taught. And if you want to reflect the image of his son, you need to be in church. Amen? That's true. It's very true. It's interesting, and I, I quoted this before a few months ago when I preached, but I want to say it again. Uh, Acts commentator Ajith Fernando says, you know, it's a well-established fact, for example, that talking about the power of the community of the church and why it's important for us to be here, he says it's a well-established fact, for example, that so many uh, so-called psychological problems are best solved within the context of a caring community i.e. the church. He said, according to the Bible, the entire Christian life, including spiritual growth, battling sin and Satan, and serving God are intended to be done in community. Community life is an integral part of the basic Christian life because Christianity is by its nature a community religion. Paul says, in Christ, we who are many form one body and each member belongs to all the others. You see what I'm saying? The power of the community of God, the church of God. And yet many of us, we try to do it on our own. We think that we can become more like Christ. I can reflect more of Jesus if I just stay home. I'll read my Bible and I'll pray at home, but I'm not coming to church. I don't need to do that to get closer to God. That's not true. To reflect God's image, you need to be around God's people. It's true, okay? If you didn't notice it, the, uh, the, the, the fruit of the Spirit in Galatians chapter 5, every one of them except for one, is all about how you relate to other people. You notice that? It's about relating to other people. How can you show love if you don't have anybody to love, right? Patience is about other people. Kindness is about other people, right? That's all it's what it's about. So we need to be in the position of a church community. The second one is the position of prayer. We need to set ourselves up to pray. We need to be in a posture of prayer. If we are going to properly reflect the image of the Son of God in 2014, we need to be a people of prayer. There's power in prayer. You know, it's, it's, we cannot become more like Christ outside of living a prayerful life. Now, that doesn't mean you need to pray elegant prayers to feel like, you know what, boy, I don't know what, just be honest with God. Pour your heart out to God. Get alone with Him or in a prayer meeting. We have prayer meetings here every 8.30, every Sunday morning before the service. I don't know if you knew that. You're welcome to come. Pray with us. We're going to pray together as a community. Pray together individually. 6 o'clock Sunday evenings, there's prayer happening in the room over there. There's a service happening right in here and a prayer meeting happening over there. So there's opportunities for us to come together and pray. And if we're going to become more like the person of Jesus Christ, it's not going to happen outside of prayer james 5 uh, 16 says the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective if you go through the list of of uh, the fruit of the spirit and you realize you're deficient in one area that you need to grow pray bible says it's powerful and effective you got some struggles in your life pray god's going to come and he's going to help you he's going to bring comfort and he's going to guide you through whatever it is you're going through we're going to move quickly here the third one is the position of praise. As we talked about church community, but how many know it's not just enough to attend church? As important as it is, you can attend church and never get anything out of it. Right? I once heard someone say that attending church doesn't make you a Christian any more than going to McDonald's makes you a hamburger. Right? There's truth in that. Right? Coming to church is very important, but we need to be a pre- people of prayer. We also need to be a people of praise. 
And if we're going to become more like Christ this year, I think that we need to become people who are ever increasingly praising our Lord and Savior. Why? What I've noticed in my years of ministry, and I've noticed this in my own life, and I notice it as I deal with people, the people who are the praisers are the people who gain victory and overcome. The people who are praisers are the ones who don't give up, who keep going, no matter what life throws against them. When they are praising God through the storms of life, they're the ones that hold on and they gain that victory. People who don't praise, you know, they, they, and I'm not judging, I'm not thinking anyone in particular, but, but you know what, people who aren't praisers and worshipers, they come into God's house and, and you're not engaged in worshiping and praising God. Those are the people, generally speaking, I find who, who, who don't last through the storms of life and their faith. But people who praise God continually over the years. You know why? Because it takes, when we praise, it takes our focus off of ourselves and it puts it on to the one who can change our circumstances, the one who has the answers. And when we praise and worship, it's, it's shifting our focus onto God. That's why it's so important. So we are going to be a people who reflect the image of the Son of God this year. We need to be a people of praise. There is power in our praise. Amen? Hey, there's power in praise. You know what? You see me up here every week, and I'm praising God, usually up here, but down. I'm not just doing it because I'm the worship pastor. I'm doing it because I need to get my mind on God. I got too many things going on in my life that could go off the rails or sideways if I don't focus on God. Is anybody with me? Oh man, I I, I don't want to lose. I don't, I don't want to lose that in my life. I want to continue to praise Him and worship Him. He's worthy of our praise and worship today. You know, there's something happens when we praise God. There's there's something that that happens in our inner man. You know. We talked about it last week or two weeks ago in chapters, uh, Acts chapter 16. Paul and Silas in prison. And uh, they were in prison. And Pastor Paul mentioned, I think it was last week or two weeks ago. And humanly speaking, you know what? They had no reason to praise or to sing. But they decided, you know what? We're going to praise anyways, right? They started praising and singing in the prison. And then all of a sudden, the ground started shaking. The earth started moving. And the prison doors were set free, you know, open. And the prisoners were set free. Friends, you know what? When you praise God on a continual basis, you come into church, there's a freedom that's going to be unlocked in your life. Chains will be broken. If you're in this place today and you say, you know what? Reflecting back on 2013, I can see that there's some chains in my life. You need to be a person of praise and a person of prayer. And as you do that, the Holy Spirit has an ability to come in, loosen those chains, and set us free. Amen? That's how we reflect more of the image of the Son. This is a simple message, but we need to position ourselves properly in order to reflect who He is. The fourth one is simply the position of Bible reading. You know, Prayer is talking to God, you know, complaining to God, uh, confessing to God, sharing our heart with God. The Bible is God's word for us. It's Him speaking to us, amen? And it's so powerful. You know, we read in 2 Timothy chapter 3 that all Scripture is God-breathed and useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. There we have it. So that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. 
Hebrews 4.12, for the word of God is alive and active, sharper than any two uh, double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. Man, you want to get closer to God, you need to be in God's word. And this is not, you know, once again, oh, I'm, I, I didn't read my Bible today, so, oh, you know, oh, God hates me. All these things I'm talking about, friends, is over the days and the weeks and the months and the years. And if we continually lead a consistent lifestyle of praise, of prayer, of coming to church and reading our Bible, over the years and over the time, we are going to become more and more into Christ's likeness. Amen? That's the truth. I mean, you know, yes, every day. But you know what? If you failed to read your Bible today or yesterday or this past week, or this, keep, hey, pick it up again, keep going. Over time, you will see the benefits of a life lived continuously in God's Word and continuously in His house and continuously in prayer. And we become more like Him. You know, I was uh, chatting with a, a friend of mine this week who's really struggling in their faith. And, um, and it was so funny because I was preparing this message and I didn't realize how much this message was exactly where my friend was at in, in, in not a good way. They didn't position themselves. You know, there's, there's so much struggle, so much sin, so much issues and doubt and, and, and all of this stuff. And what I quickly realized, this person, they have a faith, but they have not positioned themselves properly. Not going to church, you know, can't remember the last time they were in church. You know, not praying, not reading the word. Yeah, make no wonder you're struggling in that sin. You have not positioned yourself over the years to reflect more of God's glory. And the last one, it's just simply, I think I shut this off. Is this going to work? There we go. It's trusting in God. The position of trusting in God. Now really, trust, this is really the foundation, right? Hey, you can come to church. It's great. You can sing God's praises. All of these things are important. How many know trust is the foundation of any relationship? It's the foundation. You know, we read early on in the book of Genesis how, you know, God has uh, asked Abraham to go and sacrifice his son, his one and only son. You know, most of you know the story of of Abraham and Sarah, how they struggled to have children, and finally God blesses them uh, with their son. Now God says, now I want you to go and kill him, sacrifice him. Abraham obeyed, and he goes to the mountain. He's about to, you know, to slay his only son. And finally an angel says, stop. God has seen that you, you know, you trust him. God has seen that you trust him, right? And the Bible says later on, uh, you know, in the New Testament that, that Abraham was going to sacrifice his son, knowing full well that even if he killed him, that God had the ability to raise him up again. You see the trust that Abraham had in God. Trust is the foundation for our relationship, you know. And I guess the question that I have today is that, you know, things are going well and we're living in blessing and prosperity we could say yep i trust in god because god is good but how many know that it's harder to to put our trust on if you will when things are not going so good right when our world has crumbled around us when things aren't going as we planned you know what when when a loved one has died or we find ourselves in a financial hardship that we can't seem to climb out of how many know it's it's just a little harder maybe you've experienced it to, to put your full trust in god at that moment our human condition is we want to fix it ourselves, right? We, we, want to, we want to do the work. We want to fix stuff ourselves. And that's how we're all wired. Romans 8, 
This is my favorite Bible verse. You want to know my favorite Bible verse? Here we go. Romans 8, 28 and 29. Many of you know this. But oftentimes we stop at 28 and don't read 29. Paul writes, and we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him and have been called according to his purpose. That sounds great. God works together all things for good. Awesome. Verse 29, for God foreknew, for those who God foreknew, he also predestined to become conformed to the image of his son. So what is this saying? God works all things for good, but what's the good that he's working all to become more like his son? Right? This is not that God's going to work all these things for my financial prosperity. That's not what it's saying. God's not saying he's going to work all things to good for my relational issues. No. God's going to take everything that happens in my life, good, bad, and ugly, he's going to take those things and use them to help conform me into the image of his son. If I'll let him. Same thing for you. He can do that for you if you let him, if you trust him. Trust him unequivocally. Trust him with everything. Trust him with your life. Even if it doesn't make any sense, when God is asking you to do this, humanly speaking, makes no sense. Trust him anyways, because he has your best interest in mind. I remember a few years ago, I was uh, a youth pastor in Fort McMurray, and some of you guys knew this. And um, I was a youth pastor in total for seven years, most of my time in Fort McMurray. And before that, I was involved in youth ministry as a youth leader for a lot of years. Before I was a youth pastor, I was involved in youth ministry for about 15 years. It seemed like an eternity. No, I'm just joking. It was great. And, uh, but I came to the point where, where, where I felt the Holy Spirit say, you know what? I, I, I want to make a shift in your life. I want to position you differently for ministry. I got another plan for you. And I struggled with that and wrestled with it. And uh, through a lot of prayer, I remember um, it was the end of, uh, let me think here now, the year. The years are getting a little blurry to me now. Sign of getting older, right? Uh, 2009. The end of 2009, that's right. And uh, Andrea and myself, my wife and I, we were, we were talking and we were praying together. And, uh, and we really, both of us really felt the Holy Spirit saying to us that the next year, in 2010, was going to be a year of great change, significant change in our lives. That's all we had. We didn't know what it was. Um, and so after a bit of prayer, I felt that, uh, you know, God was uh, leading me to, excuse me, step back from youth ministry and to, and to have a different focus in the youth ministry. And uh, I felt that God was leading us in my heart. And, uh, and so we were praying about that. And then all of a sudden, Andrea finds out she's pregnant. I was like, oh, God, okay. Maybe that's the change. That's a big change, right? <laughs> uh, maybe that's the change that he was talking about that we sensed when we were praying. Um, so we prayed some more. And we realized that God was saying, it's both of those things. Wow, okay. So we're going to have a baby, and, and you're asking me to quit my job, essentially. <laughs> okay. And so, and like I said, we, we prayed a lot about this. We struggled with it. We wrestled with God. We prayed. And so finally, I said, you know what? This is God's leading. So I, I went and you know, had a lot of conversations with our, my senior pastor uh, at the time, and we talked about it. And we both realized, you know what? Yep, God was, was speaking here. And so I, I resigned the church. I remember this now. I resigned our church. This is in 2010. And I, I'm just saying all this to say this, okay? Humanly speaking, me quitting my job at that moment made no sense, okay? 
I have a pregnant wife at home who can't work because she's on bed rest because she's so sick from being pregnant. I have a $400,000 Fort McMurray mortgage, okay? $400,000 mortgage, and, uh, and my wife is in sick in bed, pregnant, and I am quitting my job. I literally had people coming to me saying, Darren, are you sure you're hearing from God? Do you know what you're doing? This doesn't make any sense. I'm like, I know it doesn't make any sense. But you know what? God is in it. I'm going to trust God. We're going to go with him, right? And it didn't make any sense, humanly speaking. Some of you today have some issues in your life that you are trying to figure out with your own, but God is asking you to do something else. You need to surrender that to God. You need to trust God with whatever that is today. And some of you, you know what you need to do, but you're not doing it because you haven't been trusting God enough. Make a long story short, I remember, you know what, it was the last... uh, uh, my, my role at the church was finished, I believe it was on uh, August the 1st, and it was the la- in 2010. It was the last week, and we were coming here. By that time, we had figured out, you know what? God's leading us to Red Deer, and we came in December of that year, 2010. But in the meantime, I had four months to, you know, that I did. I, I was finished our work uh, at the church in August 1st, and it was the week before, uh, the last week of July, and I didn't have a job. We needed to fi- I needed to find work to tie us over till before we moved to Red Deer because, once again, I have a pregnant wife and a $400,000 Fort McMurray mortgage. Right? I need to put food on the table here. And it was a week before my job was ending, and I, I wasn't even worried. I still didn't have a job, didn't know what we were going to do. And uh, Andrea and I were, were out to uh, Tim Hortons one day, and we're just having a little lunch together. And this guy that I knew from our church comes up to me and says, Hey, Pastor Darren, I heard that uh, you're, you're finished soon at the church. And I said, Yeah, I'm, I'm essentially done in a week. And he said, Well, what are you doing next? And I said, Well, I don't know. He said, Really? Yeah, want to come work for me? Okay. And it was... Like that, and I know some of you guys may be thinking it's for McMurray, but no, it was a miracle of God. God's provision at the right time, it's just a little simple illustration, right? We need to trust in God. It's a position of trusting in God. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, many of us know this. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Don't lean on your own understanding in all your ways. Acknowledge Him, and He'll make your path straight. I'm so happy and excited uh, that that's been the case in my life, that God has done that for me. We're going to get our worship team. Are you guys over there? Yeah, get you guys to come back. And uh, we're going we're gonna to end this here in a minute. You know, one of the things when I was a youth pastor, yeah, they're going to come quietly. They're going to slide on here. You guys can just remain seated for a moment here. Many of you, and I already said this, as a youth pastor for all these times, there was uh, one thing that I noticed when I was a youth pastor dealing with teenagers all the time. Perhaps you've noticed this as well. That uh, teenagers are greatly influenced, their behavior and their character, by the people they hang out with. Isn't that true? Maybe you've noticed that. I've noticed it too. (laughs) And uh, I used to tell our students all the time when I was a youth pastor, and Someone else coined this phrase. I don't know who did, uh, but I once heard it when I was younger. And I, I used to say this to our students all the time. Show me your friends and I will show you your future. Because who you hang with has a great influence and power over your life. And you know, the same is true for adults as well, by the way. Who you hang out with has a tremendous power over who we become. 
And if we're going to be changed into Christ-likeness with ever-increasing glory, we need to be with Him, with Christ. We need to position ourselves to be with Him, to be with His people, right? To do those things in which He's told us in His Word, to align ourselves with His Word in prayer, in Bible reading, in praise and worship, in coming to church, in trusting Him no matter what things look like. So who we hang with has a great power. And as we spend time with Him and His people over the course of the days, weeks, and months of this year in 2014, as we position ourselves properly, we will indeed reflect the image of God's Son with ever-increasing glory. That is my prayer for all of us today. That's my prayer for myself. That's my prayer for each one of you today. Amen? That we would indeed position ourselves properly. You know what? Maybe this past year, you would say, you know what? I didn't position myself the way I should. I didn't spend time in His Word. I, I, I failed to have a posture and position of prayer in the way that I know I needed to. I didn't come to church as often as I should. My church attendance wasn't very good. Now, I'm not here to put a guilt trip on any one of you today. All I'm saying is, this is the beginning of a new year, and we can determine right now, every one of us, that 2014, we are going to position ourselves to reflect the image of God's Son, because it won't happen on its own. Just bow your heads and your eyes here for a moment, and I just want to ask you that question today, and we're going to pray, and we're going to let you go here in a moment out into the freezing cold, but just bow your heads. We're not going to kick you out too fast. You can hang out here in the warm. You know, maybe today you're hearing this message and you say, you know what, yes, this past year, reflecting back on the year, I didn't reflect the image of God's Son the way I should have, and because I didn't position myself properly. Now, I'm not, I don't want to embarrass anybody, but I want to pray for you today. If you have a desire to say, you know what, but I want this year to be different. God, would you forgive me for not reflecting your son properly? Maybe I reflected, but it was a distorted reflection. It was a, it was a fuzzy image. It wasn't an accurate image of your son. God, would you help me today to reflect your son accurately, to grow more and more into your likeness, one degree of glory to the next. Help me to position myself you know what, if that's you today, would you slip up your hand? I'm going to slip up my hand with you today. I want to reflect more of the image of Christ today. Amen? I want to be more like Him and position myself properly this year. Keep your hands raised. We're going to pray right now. Father God, I just pray today as our hands are raised before you right now, you see each one of us. And Lord, I pray, first of all, if maybe we need forgiveness today, Lord, would you forgive us? for not reflecting you properly. Lord, would you forgive us for not positioning ourselves in the way that we ought in order to grow in our walk with you. Maybe we haven't trusted you properly. Maybe we didn't obey you when you asked us to do something. God, would you forgive us today? And God, I pray for my brothers and sisters this morning that you would indeed help all of us today in an ever-increasing fashion to position ourselves in such a way in which we will reflect your Son in an ever-increasing way. God, that your grace would come upon us right now. Lord, your grace has the power to take us from where we are to where we need to go. This is not all about our human effort as much as we need to position ourselves, but God, by your Spirit and by your grace, you're able to take us from where we're at and bring us, Lord, to a place in where we reflect your goodness, your character. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, amen, amen.